welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast. It's a special episode this time. We're talking about the Northern Ireland women's team and their success in reaching the playoff for Euro 2021, which is played in 2022. I don't know what you want to call it, but we're in the playoff for it anyway. Uh, my name is Andy Bell, and I'm delighted to be joined by the BBC's Nicola McCarthy to talk about this one. Nicola, thank you so much for coming on. No problem, Andy. It's an absolute pleasure. Delighted to, to join you. Great stuff. And let's just talk about those two two wins last week then. So obviously we, we beat Belarus 3-2 at Seaview and then I think three or four days later beat the Faroe Islands 5-1. Um, yeah. Emphatic victories there against, I mean, of course, Faroe Islands is, is one of those games where you always expect to win, but you do have to go out there and do it. And especially having been a goal down to show that mentality and, and same with Belarus pegging us back twice um, to go on and get that sort of late-ish winner. Uh, it was incredible mentality shown by the girls, wasn't it? Absolutely, Andy. I couldn't agree more with that. I think the girls showed incredible character um, in both of those games, uh, in both the Belarus and the Faroes games. <laughs> you mentioned those points being pegged back twice by Belarus and going behind early on against the Faroes. And I think you know it's it's just credit to to the girls and testament to you know where they're at um, with their game and uh, that. You knew that they had it in them to, you know, come back each time. Uh, there was a confidence there. There was, um, you know, there was a belief there, and um, and I think that's just fantastic to see. And it was so impressive, Nicola, wasn't it? Especially without somebody like Simone McGill, who kind of always starts up front for Northern Ireland, always is scoring goals for Northern Ireland, and especially with somebody like Megan Bell as well, who would have normally come in or would have started anyway, uh, was unavailable as well. Emily Wilson, I thought, had a fantastic game up front. I thought she played a very selfless role in the team, uh, running the channels, um, did a real job for the team, while the other ones maybe got uh, more of the glory with the goals. I mean, how how big a result was that, especially, as we said in, in the first part there, uh, being pegged back twice by Belarus, constantly having to find answers, constantly having to find ways to to get ourselves ahead. Uh, and and same thing when, when the Faroe Islands went 1-0 up. It was so impressive to find... Uh, so many goals over the two games in the circumstances, wasn't it? Absolutely. It really it really was. As you say, Simone, we all know how big a player Simone is uh, for the team. We know what she's capable of. We know, you know, followed her career closely at Everton and the impact she's had there as well. Um, you know, a huge loss. And I spoke to Kenny when we got the news that um, that Simone would be unavailable. And uh, of course, he was gutted, as, as was everyone. But there wasn't a moment hesitation from Kenny in terms of the belief that his team could still um, do a job, that he had the, the squad uh, capable of, of, of facing these sides. And as you say, Andy, and scoring, you know, that's eight goals across those two games, which it just shows, and a range of different goal scorers as well. It just shows that it's credit to Kenny and the squad that he's assembled and credit to the girls. Um, and it comes back as well, I think, to that real, you know, feeling within this squad. There's a real belief. There's a real energy. Um, you know, I've spoken to to most of the girls across the, the training camps and, and across this campaign to date. And every one of them will say, you know, it's like a family. Um, you know, some girls coming in, you know, last minute, you know, Emily Wilson being one of them comes in for those two games and starts both. You know, that's not easy. And as you say, had such a had such an impact and, and played so well. Uh, so it, it's not easy to come in, especially when, you know, 
the, the players are in a bubble and, and they're in um, a, a training camp and they're staying together. You know, you come in and you've got to mix with the team and, you know, you get that call up to start, you know. But again, it just goes back to the, the strength and depth of squad and the incredible attitude of these girls. I mean, I've just been so impressed at, you know, that their attitude and their application and, it, you know, watching the training at the training camps and, and, and just taking note of all of the things that are in place. And I remember speaking to Kenny before the Belarus game um, and he said, listen, there is no stone turned. And each one of our uh, opposition in detail um, and I think that really told on the pitch. And when, you know, when, as you say, Belarus, you know, pegged us back twice. And when we went behind early in that early uh, in the Pharaohs game, no one panicked and there was no, it didn't feel like there was a sense of panic. It was a sense of, right, get the ball out of the back of the net. You know, let's get kicked off again and let's go again. Um, and of course, you know, to great success and I honestly couldn't be be happier for this group of players. Yeah and I think it, you certainly could have forgiven them for, for themselves because at times it felt like everything was conspiring against them. We've mentioned the injuries there, we've mentioned a kind of a kind of lucky goal that put the Faroe Islands uh, ahead uh, and the same yeah. one with the one that with the one the first equaliser for Belarus I thought um, but those things can sort of happen in football you know you can be a golf, uh, a golf ahead of a team, and, and and a lucky goal can be scored. You need to find a way to come back, and and they did. And I just thought that was that was so impressive. The mentality shown, as I say, it would have been especially having not really been in this position before in Northern Ireland women's mm -hmm. history, and um, to, to show that to show that character to come back. And as I say, it would have been easy to feel sorry for themselves, but that's testament to the culture, I guess, that Kenny Shields has created and that his backroom staff and and the players themselves, to be honest, and. Um, it feels kind of harsh, Nicola, to talk about individual performances because it was such a good team display in both games and, and has been right the way throughout the campaign. But to talk about the two who kind of did chip in with the goals, I mean, I say uh, in place of McGill, Rachel Furness scores loads of goals anyway. I think she's <laughs> top scorer by a distance for Northern Ireland. Uh, and I thought she was really good, kind of in that number 10 role, just in front of the midfield, mm -hmm. pulling the strings there. And you just see how much quality she's got. I mean, it's it's obvious the fact that she plays for Liverpool, first and foremost, uh, has, has has scored goals in the Women's Super League for years and years now. Um, and I thought, you know, she she really is the the, the talisman for Northern Ireland, isn't she? Um, that, that was able to... Uh, she, she got the equaliser against the Pharaohs. She puts uh, she gets a penalty that puts us two one in front against Belarus as well. And that well, should have had two goals against Belarus for me. That looked uh, over the line by quite a distance from where I was watching. But uh, I don't know where yeah. you, you thought of that being on the ground. Yeah, no, I, I had to see it back. Uh, to be honest, I didn't I didn't feel confident enough to make a call first time around. But I I definitely know Kenny. She just felt it, it should have been a goal and. Having watched it back, then I had to agree with them. I think it was over. But uh, listen, Rachel Furness is is an incredible player. She is uh, an incredible player and a really lovely person into the bargain. But what she offers on the pitch is just exceptional. You know, she's solid. She's athletic. She uh, covers an incredible amount of ground. She can score. She's good in the air. You know, she's, she's just an incredible asset. And having a player... Uh, like Rachel in your team, it adds so much, you know, to, to the team. Um, you know, you know she's going to be there and you know what she is capable of. And I just think, you know, she is such a huge part of that team. 
and the experience that she has, as you mentioned, you know, across the water and playing in the FAWSL and now, um, you know, in the in the championship. I think she's been named the championships player of the month twice at least this season, Rachel. Um, you know, that just, you know, goes to to, to show and um what the, the regard she's held of in, in women's football in England. Um, the regard she's held in, I should say, in, in women's football in England. And, you know, as I say, she has that impact on the pitch, you know, scoring, you know, scoring twice against the Pharaohs. Um, she, you know, like I say, for the rest of the, it's not just what Rachel does on the pitch. It, it's the it's the feeling that the other players take from that, if that makes sense, Andy. You know, it's the it's the confidence almost that exudes from her. That has a huge effect on the rest of the girls and almost, as, uh, you know, the example she is setting, you know, it certainly uh, rubs off in, in the team, you know, stepping up against Belarus, for example, to take that penalty. Um, you, there was never, a, there was never a sign of nerves. There was never, you know, it was just, it's a penalty. Rachel, here you go, takes it, you know, scores on the R mark, you know, um, Things like that are just, you know, invaluable in a team, you know, that confidence um, and that ability. It just um, it is really just priceless. Yeah, and you always need that player to produce that moment. The magic is to say you can have as many hardworking players as 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 you want, but you do need that quality. The kind of the analogy of having nine players to carry the piano and two players to play it, you know what I mean? It's it's that type of thing. And Furnace certainly is a is a is is the quintessential piano player in that Northern Ireland side. Um, yeah. As a as a Northern Irish Liverpool supporter, we we don't really get many crossovers in that regard. So it's nice it's nice to have that as well. Um, but a couple of other players I want to mention, uh, and feel free to to um, to mention any yourself you think that um, you think deserve a deserve a shout out as well. I mean, I think they all do really. But uh, I don't want to keep you for a couple of hours. But uh, <laughs> Kirsty McGuinness, I thought was really really impressive over these two games. Um, the quality on that left foot, I mean, I know she scores with the right foot against the Faroe Islands, but not even just the goals, the deliveries from that left-hand side. And it's difficult in that formation as well, because as Kenny Sheehan said, they, they weren't playing with fullbacks. Um, therefore, the wide players like Lauren Wade and Kirsten McGuinness do have to do a fair bit of the heavy lifting in the defensive side of things out there as well. And as I say, I've played wing-back before. It's not easy. You have to be really sort of fit for it. Uh, and I thought <laughs> Kirsten McGuinness, to, to give that defensive protection, um, and then to provide that quality, I mean, I think it's, it's well, it's one or it's one and a half goals kind of against Belarus. I don't know if she's claiming that or not. I'm sure she is. Yeah. Um, the, the goal, the goal, the opener against against the Pharaohs as well. I thought, I thought she was so impressive, and I thought actually McCarran, including McCarran in front of the back four as well. Um, in the first game, I thought she had to play a kind of more of a defensive protective role, and then in the second game, she was just she's every time I looked up, she seemed to be on the ball. It was an incredible performance. Uh, and then an absolute peach of a goal to go along with it. Uh, how do you think those two, how important are those two players in Northern Ireland? And as I say, feel free to mention any other individual performances if you feel uh, appropriate. Yeah, um, I just think Kirsty McGuinness is a huge, huge talent. Um, and again, just to have someone like Kirsty on your team, you know, it's just, um, it's an incredible asset. Uh, I've been lucky enough to watch Kirsty in the league um, for Science Swifts this season, and every single time that I have watched her, Andy, I have just been impressed. 
Um, she's always producing something. Her movement on and off the ball, as you say, what she gives, even in a defensive, um, uh, in a defensive setup, you know, the cover, uh, the ground she covers, and and also able to score. Uh, it's just, you know, she really is an all-round player and so naturally talented as well. Um, she really is so naturally talented and gifted. And I, I just think she, it, it was almost Kirsty's moment to shine, I think, on the international stage. You know, there'd been a lot of talk uh, about her around the league. Obviously, she moved from Linfield with her sister Caitlin this um, this season to Sion. And there was a lot of focus on her and, and, and Caitlin. Um, and I just think Kirsty took that moment and absolutely owned it, um, and, and rightly so. She um, she's an incredibly talented player. Um, she's capable of so much. We've seen that in her goals. We've seen that in, as you say, her, her track back and her cover uh, when the team need it. Um, you know, an, an athlete. You know, really an incredible athlete. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of these girls. Um, you know, have to. You, they're they're very fit, athletic girls, and I think the systems are in place now to help them with that, um, which maybe we haven't seen so much in the past. But it was just so good to see, you know, for everything from the you know S and C, the strength and conditioning, the nutrition, the um, you know the aftercare, the uh, analysis. You know, everything's just coming together and. You know, players like Kirsty will just feed off of that and, and that professional environment. And, um, you know, every time Kirsty McGuinness is on the ball, you think she can produce something, you know, and, and there's that is just a very exciting prospect. Um, and she did produce, um, we, we, you know, she consistently uh, has produced for, for club and country. And I just think Kirsty deserves every accolade that, that comes her way. Um, and, and again, a lovely, lovely, humble girl um, and uh, making history with her sister, uh, Caitlin, coming onto the pitch um, against the Pharaohs was a lovely moment for her. And you could, uh, and Caitlin, you could see what it meant to them. And um, I know she's a very she's a family girl, Kirsty, and it meant a lot to her. Um, but even her confidence I've seen, you know, come along a huge way, um, especially this year. Um, and, you know, results like that and performances like that and big moments like that will only help her get better and better. And I've no doubt that Kirsty's only just, you know, starting out on her journey. She's got um, plenty of years in her and plenty of legs in her yet. And, and I'm really excited just to keep watching her. Another one you mentioned, Andy, and rightly so, is Chloe McCarran. And I think, you know, again, Chloe is almost an all-rounder in what she can offer you um, and like a like a Rachel Furness kind of character having you know someone like Chloe and and having you know her her awareness um, you know and, and how she reads the game um, and just how solid she is and how reliable she is I think is just um, you know it's just such a, an asset once again um, I know Chloe's had a um, a move across the water uh, to Birmingham, um, which has been a big, big thing for her. But I think, you know, again, like Kirsty, I think she's just got so much to give. Um, I think she will just continue to get better and better. Um, and just, as you say, sitting in front of the back four, having that added protection, but yet someone who can press ahead and read and ping passes and, 
you know, her, her awareness is just incredible. Um, so I, again, I'm just excited to see how she progresses. And I know, it, you know, it was a big move for her um, to go across the water, but I've no doubt that she uh, she's just going to her quality will just improve. Um, and, you know, all of these girls together as well, you know, you're coming together and, and spending this time together and learning off each other and feeding off each other. You know, all of this adds to, you know, this team, the quality of this team, the experience of this team. And, um, you know, it, I've spoken to the girls numerous times about, you know, that special bond and, um, and where they feel they are. And those those players, you know, they, they just feed into that and, you know, they add so much to to the team. Yeah, absolutely. And just to sort of talk about some other matches in this qualifying group. Um, obviously, there, there are two massive standout results, I think, in the, being the 2-2 draw in Cardiff and the 1-0 win in Belarus. Two massive away games, two games where we had to show amazing character to come through them. And obviously, that 2-2 draw ultimately is what qualifies us. It's, it gives us those two away goals. It gives us the head-to-head record on Wales. Uh, which which ultimately means that we goal difference didn't come into the equation and we were we were able to just get the points on the board that we needed and it was it's there's so many sort of kind of moments in the in this qualifying group that that these yes. girls will look back on and and think oh you know that played a part in getting us the qualification or that played a part in getting us to the playoff you've got the I think it's is it is it uh, it's Ashley Hutton who scores a goal out in Wales uh, in the last yep. minute um yeah it's Furness who scores in 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 Minsk. And mm-hmm. I mean, what for you has been like the standout moment of this campaign? Has it been that final game against the Faroe Islands when we got over the line? Or ha- was it one of those two games, I guess, against uh, higher standard opposition? Because I-, I had to look back at that, that Wales game in Cardiff and, uh, and obviously we get the draw at Seaview as well, which, uh, which, which isn't easy either. Um, and that Wales seems full of um, women's Super League players compared to compared to Northern Ireland, who who still the majority of the squad play in the Irish League, and that's not that's not to disparage the Danske Bank Premiership at all, because it's clearly a, a very strong product that's given a platform for these players to to make it on the international stage. But for those players who are playing professionally or playing week in week out in England, for 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 us to I think as Kenny Hughes said, take on Europe with Irish League players, it's just so impressive, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think for me, if we're going to look firstly at the big moment or the big moments, I mean, I think it's it's almost hard to to pick out um, in in such a special campaign. But I do have to agree with you, Andy, that I think that game in Cardiff when Ashley Hutton scores that late equaliser on her one hundredth cap as well is just yeah, one that we will look back on and say that was a really defining moment. And I remember talking to Kenny Shields about this um, after the Pharaohs game. And I said, Kenny, I asked the same question you're asking me. You know, there's a number of big moments around this. <clears throat> excuse me. There's a number of big moments around this campaign. But to me, when you look at that, you know, Ashley Hutton goal, we'll look back on that. And he said, yes, you know, I've no doubt about that. Um, Ashley Hutton deserves a, a probably a, a podcast all to herself, to be honest, Andy. But uh, the incredible girl that she is, the incredible professional she is, the incredible leader she is, the incredible defender she is. You know, she is one of the stalwarts of this Northern Ireland team. She has been in this international setup for years. 
and I actually played football with Ashley Hutton for about seven years um, back at, okay. at a team called Northland Raiders, which is where Ashley kind of started out. And I'd um, I'd, I'd come after being uh, playing for Belfast United. And so I played with Ashley um, for, for seven years in, in club football. And I just remember her as a, I don't know, she was probably 15 or 16 when we joined Northland Raiders um, at the same time. It was a new club. And I'll always remember her professional attitude, even as a teenager. She had the most professional attitude and approach to her game at that at that age. And she has never lost that. And I just think that is absolute testament to the kind of girl Ashley is. She has the same approach now to the game than she did then. And obviously she's got all of the experience that comes with that. But you know, when it comes to, you know, girls that have been in and around this setup for as long as Ashley has, she's just an incredible player, uh, an incredible professional. And uh, that goal that she scored in Cardiff, I am sure she still probably hasn't even process, processed that yet. It's maybe when Ashley stops playing um, and sits back and really assesses everything that she might you know, look at these moments. But when you're playing a team that's what, 20, almost 20 places above you in the FIFA rankings uh, in a group, and you know, you know that you, you mentioned it, Anna, you know the players they have, you know the threat they pose, you know these girls are playing, you know, a lot of these girls are playing full-time football. You know, to have two draws against Wales in the group was, was really exceptional. And for Ashley Hutton to get that goal in her 100th cap, uh, I just think uh, genuinely just speaks volumes to the player and the person that that Ashley Hutton is. Yeah, I would love to get Ashley Hutton on the podcast sometimes. You <laughs> if should. you're listening, yeah, please, she's, please. She's awesome. She's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can't I, speak I think, highly enough of her. I think we are probably gonna look back on that moment and think, you know, especially the magnitude of that game, as you say, the fact that there were Sorry. about 20, 23 places like it was uh, above us. Um, I think that that just that just speaks volumes for for that as a moment uh, for the result. First of all, purely off a statistical point of view, for the, that result, which got us um, the head to head on wheels, as I say, but also the the moment and the the player as well. Uh, and I guess another one just to just to wrap up, sort of on individuals. Um, another one in that back line, of course, we'll have to give Julie Nelson a mention uh, as well. But Demi Vance, who is playing across with with Rangers now. Um, it's going to be such a big blow. It looked like a horrible injury. Uh, it's one of those things on the, the plastic pitch. It, it allows you to, to play kind of more free flow and attacking football, but also it's, it's, it's pretty much widely accepted. It's not fantastic for injuries. And yeah. I think for her, to, for her to play on for about 10 minutes after that, I yeah. might take a free kick as well. Uh, yeah. I can't work out whether it's madness or, or well, it's, it's obviously incredible bravery, but it looks as though... I mean, I, I, I haven't seen many anterior cruciate ligament injuries which have somebody back within five or six months, although I'm no sports scientist. But if we assume, I think she, she put out a statement saying her international season is over. And if we assume that she is out for that uh, for that playoff match, that's going to be such a big blow for us. First of all, for her defensive capabilities or fitness um, and, and, and the set pieces, as I say, as well. She's a set piece taker. And in a situation where Northern Ireland are going to be heavy underdogs for this playoff, Set pieces is somewhere you can get your noses in front and get that goal and uh, and maybe you know defend it and protect it and it's going to be a massive it's going to be a massive miss and it's a big dilemma for 
for Kenny Shields as to, to who replaces her and what sort of formation we adopt or what approach we uh, go with going into those games. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, as you say, Demi is just such a huge loss to the team. Again, she's um, an incredible girl. She's, you know, she's strong. Uh, and again, one of those players that when you're playing a bit further up the pitch and you know Demi's, you know, behind you, um, you know, you take a lot of comfort in that. Um, she's an exceptional talent. As you say, she can take set pieces. Um, she made the move to Rangers January, uh, just January this year, in fact, um, and she's getting that incredible experience. And I actually went to visit Demi and Megan Bell at Rangers back in February of this year, just before COVID. And um, I, I was witness to the setup that, that Rangers have put in place, um, led by a, a girl called Amy McDonald, who's doing an incredible job there. And, you know, Rangers have taken the women's team and fully, uh, they're fully part of the uh, of the club now, they're fully integrated into into the club, which you know for the likes of Demi and Megan, it just means so much. They will get so much from that, and they have gotten so much from that. The professional setup and an environment is just invaluable. Um, and for Demi, you know, knowing Demi, knowing the kind of person she is uh, personally, I know this is a huge blow for her, and it's a huge blow for the team, as you say. Kenny now has to have a real think about you know, what is the best way to approach now? Has the players to come in? You know, we, we've seen that, you know, he's proven that he does have the players, but, you know, she's such a huge presence, Demi. Um, uh, as I said, she gives you that, you know, security, which you want in your defenders um, as well. But Kenny's going to have to work that out. But for Demi herself, like, you know, again, one of the girls been in and around this game a long time. I think she's 29 now. As you say, we have to assume that, you know, Worst case scenario, she's out for the um for the for the two playoff games. You know, in ACL, we all know how long it it takes to to recover from that. Um, but she's she's one of the most experienced uh, players in that squad, and it is it's a huge blow um for Kenny um and his team, and also just on a personal note um and where she's at in her career for Demi, and again a fantastic girl. As I say, I spent some time. Uh, with herself and Megan earlier this year at Rangers and had a good, you know, chat with them, saw that setup that they're experiencing. And it's very, very difficult. Megan, too, has been out, of course, with an injury. It's very difficult when things are so good and you've made that move and you, your international career is going well and you're on the cusp of that. And you've, you've got these special bonds with these players and then all of a sudden you're out. I mean, that is, it's really hard to take. And, you know, I send all my, my best wishes to Demi and I really hope um, the recovery is is as quick as it can be. Yeah, absolutely echo that. Same from our side as well. Um, let's have a chat about the playoffs then. So, I mean, first of all, I was having a look at the teams, and I know that uh, the the potential opponents for the for the playoff aren't absolutely guaranteed yet. There have been some matches that have been postponed due to COVID and have to be replayed in February before the playoff draw in March, but. Just to have a look at like some of the teams who who could be in the playoffs. We've got Russia ranked twenty fourth, Ukraine ranked twenty sixth, Czechs twenty ninth, Poland twenty eighth, Finland thirty, Portugal thirty two, Italy fourteen, Austria twenty two, Switzerland twenty, and then you've got Northern Ireland fifty five. I mean, mm -hmm. what an achievement that is! And you know, I'm I'm just looking at that, and of course, UEFA the way they do things is they 
is they they seed teams into pots, and that's that's to make sure there aren't you know four absolute top tier European nations qualifying. It's it's the setup, the whole format of what UEFA do is is to make sure that teams like Northern Ireland can barely qualify for a playoff, and for them to yeah. do that, I mean, um, and that, that's not that's not even being critical of UEFA. Of course, teams, of course, um, UEFA are going to do that. You know, the revenue of having all the big massive teams at the tournament. <laughs> But looking at that, the only pot three team, the only team outside the two pot, uh, the two top pots, uh, the only pot three team in there is Portugal, who are, were at the very top of pot three anyway, and of course are a um, renowned football nation. And Northern Ireland to be in kind of the middle of pot four, it's it's just incredible. And sort of of the of the teams I've mentioned there, I mean Russia and Ukraine are guaranteed to be uh, in the playoffs. The Czech Republic are very likely to be as are Switzerland, and then it's kind of between Finland, Portugal, Italy and Austria for that last playoff spot. Is there anyone you, you particularly want to avoid in that draw? Is there any nightmare draw there? Is there any um, is there any dream draw? Uh, I guess, I think it was uh, Julie Nelson maybe mentioned on Michael Clark's show that she fancied another crack of at, Aust at uh, sorry, Ukraine uh, after the Pinotar Cup. But is there is there any kind of, is there any kind of um, nasty draw there you want to avoid? Is there any um, not not an easy draw, but a, a draw that would give us a chance of winning. And then, do you want the first leg or the second leg at home? I think Kenny Shield was talking about potentially Windsor Park being used for that. Fingers crossed we could get fans in. Um, but yeah, kind of. Who? What's your ideal opponent and first leg home or away? What's what's the best sort of route for us? Gosh, it's a tough one, Andy. It really is a tough one. I think every team you mentioned there, you know you. They're it's going to be a difficult opposition and I think that's what we have to you know keep in mind is that and, and as you say the way UEFA set up as well with their pot system um it's going to be a tough draw um and as you say you're looking at, at teams ranked you know kind of well above you in the in the rankings but you know one thing and I think this is the really fantastic thing about where the team is at the moment is they will feel that they can take on anyone uh, on their day and I think that's what you know you need to hold on to and that's what we need to um, you know we need to grab you know ahead of these two uh, crucial playoffs and I think first of all I think you know we have to really sit back and go what's already been achieved and again I spoke to Kenny about this and Marissa Callahan about this you know, what's already been achieved is huge and it's a huge shift in the international setup and it's huge for the for the women's game here. As you say, at one point, Kenny had 15 local players uh, playing in the in, in the league here in his squad, which is just remarkable and um, and a real testament to how the league's coming on here. Um, uh, listen, any game's going to be difficult. I, I don't think I would look at any of those and say there's one that stands out as a real nightmare. Um, yeah, the, the lowest ranked just... team. Sorry, the lowest ranked team okay. uh, potential opponent there are are 23 places above us. You know what I mean? So, but I always think they're going to yeah. thrive on that, aren't yeah. they? That that team. You know what I mean? I think so. And especially after those Wales games, you know, where that was the case, you know, Wales are a good 20, uh, at least 20 places above us in the rankings. I think, you know, that'll that'll bring a lot of confidence and 
and belief in the fact that they, you know, and, and I remember speaking to Kenny Shields about a game by game approach. Anytime I spoke to Kenny, he wouldn't look too far ahead. They had the four difficult games of the campaign in the first half, if you like. And then the second half of the campaign was those four easier games. But still, he knew that they were still difficult games, even right up to the Pharaohs game. He was saying, listen, we're we are step by step here. I will not get too carried away. And that's the same approach that he will take. And that and that wouldn't that won't matter if it is, um, you know, um, like it, it didn't matter if it was Norway or or Pharaohs. Kenny's approach was the same. And I think that will really, really help whenever we come to these playoffs, no matter who we draw. I mean, you've mentioned a few of the teams, Russia, Ukraine, Poland, Czech Republic, Switzerland, um, potentially Italy. You know, these are all experienced, you know, European teams. And no I don't know if approach, I could deal with another playoff against Switzerland, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Switzerland Flashbacks. might just tip us all. Tip us all over the edge, to be fair. Uh, and listen, I wouldn't be surprised if they played the Ukraine just before COVID, of course. And um, uh, they was 4-0 they were beaten um, by Ukraine. So we know what Ukraine are capable of. You know, Julie's obviously um, looking ahead and already thinking she might uh, want to, to, to get some revenge. And I think if you look back at that campaign, Andy, that Pinatar Cup back in March, of course, we didn't know what was coming down the line with, with COVID and everything. But I remember speaking to Kenny and a couple of the girls after that campaign, and it almost felt like um, the start of, a, um, you know, something quite special in the team. You know, everybody spoke very positively uh, about the, the experience. And if it is Ukraine, well, there is that experience. There is uh, analysis there. But again, coming back to that point, no matter who the opposition is, Kenny will have them analysed to an inch of themselves. I think he told me it was the Belarus game away. He said that he, they, the players knew that every player's height, weight, you know, obviously position and what they were capable of. So no matter what, uh, and no matter what we draw, um, yeah. The, the girls will be well prepared. Kenny will be well prepared. And I honestly think the belief is there, the confidence is there, and 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 this squad can take on anyone on their day. And hopefully we'll have a, a few of uh, the, the players who've missed out in this campaign through injury and, um, and uh, suspension and things like that. Hopefully we'll have a, a fully fit squad ready to go. Uh, when it comes to home or away, I usually prefer an away game first. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And you, you know, you get a, a feel for it, and then you come home, and you know uh, that you can finish off the job at home should you need to, um, in your home surroundings, and um, get that away tie, which is going to be difficult. Let's be honest; it's going to be difficult. It's going to, you know, be traveling, um, all of the issues around COVID, which I'm sure will still be around. Uh, you know, we've got to take all of that into consideration. Tough away game tough opposition um, get that out of the way come home you know what you need to do in your own surroundings hopefully with some fans by then and try and uh, get the job done that's what that would be my preference yeah I completely agree always prefer the second leg at home as, as well and you can always go out there sneaking away goal at the very least and then you have something to play for and um, just dead quick Nicola because I, ha I have kept you for quite a long time here yeah, okay. with, 
with regards to the the way Kenny Hughes plays football, I mean, you mentioned that there the approach is the same whether you're playing the Nor whether you're playing the Norwegians or the Faroe Islands. And mm -hmm. he said after the after the game, you know, I don't do defensive football. I don't do parking the bus or whatever. We we always play the exact same way. I think he said that maybe after the Belarus game where. Um, you know, we were three two up and still kind of going for that fourth goal right until the end. But mm -hmm. do you think in a playoff scenario, as I say, as heavy underdogs, I mean, you need to be a, a little bit pragmatic as an Northern Ireland manager anyway, I feel. Um, you know, that doesn't mean you can't play good football, it doesn't mean you can't play you can't always be looking to attack. And pragmatic, of course, just means the the the, the simplest route to victory. People sort of confuse it with defensive football sometimes, but do you think Kenny Sheets might have to be a little bit more pragmatic? potentially even in, as, as we've just mentioned there, an away first leg, for example, to make sure that things don't go disastrously wrong, to make sure we are still in the game, uh, coming back to Windsor Park or Seaview, wherever it may be. Um, do you think it's there may have to be a slight change in approach in terms of the, there's obviously been a massive sea change in terms of playing out from the back, and it's been a completely different approach, but do you think he might have to rein that in, or do you think he's just going to say, you know what, this, this, is, this is what we're good at, we don't worry about the opposition, and we play to our strengths? I think it's a really, really good question, to be honest. Um, and, you know, um, as you say, Kenny will be acutely aware that this is going to be a tough, tough game and that they're going to have to be absolutely on their best game from, from back to front. Um, you know, it is. It's one of those every player to, 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 to have almost the game of their lives. You need everything to come together. You need a bit of luck to go your way. Will Kenny change his approach? It's a very good question. I mean, I was standing behind the goal for I think it was the yeah it was the Belarus game at home the the three two, and I could hear Kenny from the sidelines giving his instruction, and that instruction was play it from the back. You know, um, every time the keeper had it play it out from the back, get it to a defender, move it up the pitch. As you say, it's very much his philosophy. It's very much his style and it's worked. It's something that's worked. The girls have spoken about it, you know, post-match after Belarus and the Pharaohs, they've talked about the new style, the style Kenny's brought in to play. Um, but we also know, Andy, that it is a high-risk strategy and that doesn't matter if you're, you know, Manchester City men's team, the Pep Guardiola style, which is which is playing out from the back or if you're, Northern Ireland women, or if you're playing for your Sunday league team, if you play out from the back, there is that extra risk. But it's it's also a, um, a a style that breeds a lot of kind of confidence in the play. You know, keeping the ball, maintaining the ball, being confident to pass the ball about, and and really take control of the game. And that's what this team have done. I'm honestly not sure. I would really love to hear Kenny's points, uh, Kenny's thoughts on that because it's something that he is going to have to consider I'm sure and he's going to have to consider the personnel he has available you mentioned the likes of Demi will miss out uh, you know he's going to have to consider the players he has and and who can kind of uh, best come in and who can you know play in that style Um maybe maybe he will decide that you know it you'll take a, a slightly more cautious approach uh, to this one I'm not sure but then part of me thinks He's done it the way he's done it and he's seen it work and he believes in it. The girls have bought into it. The girls are playing well with it. They believe in it. So actually, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of inclined to think that maybe, you know, there's part of me thinking he'll just he'll just stick with and um, and really just try and go at go at uh, the opposition. 
um, and just stick with that. You know, if it's not broken, don't fix it, as they say. Maybe do that. Do you maybe change that up for the second leg if it hasn't quite worked out in the first leg? Maybe. But there's one thing that Kenny Shields has been um, consistent with, and that is, you know, playing a brand of football that he wants to play. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the girls are on board and I would say they will try potentially just to to keep that going and and take it forward. Yeah, I would say so. I'd probably be inclined to agree with you there, actually, because they've obviously had this qualifying campaign. They've had the Pinotar Cup. They've had a lot of experience and they've made the mistakes playing that that formation and obviously it, it's it kind of yeah. all came together for those last four games and the only thing I would say is of course it is it's easier to kind of play out from the back against Norway when you can afford to lose the games you know you're fighting for wheels with second rather than a, a winner takes all yes. scenario in a playoff but exactly I, I guess that's, exactly that's just that's just one of those things that that, that Kenny will have to decide for himself and by the sounds of it I don't think he's I don't think he's a man to to kind of change his approach for anyone which is which is refreshing to be honest last uh Last question, Nicola, just uh, before I let you go here. Um, I listened to you, your interview with Marissa Callahan after the Faroe Islands game, and she was very emotional. And it was like you couldn't help but smile watching it. Uh, but one thing she said was, I want every girl watching that tonight to dream big, to know that anything is possible. Um, I mean, that's just that's just an amazing question. Maybe it wasn't the case when the likes of uh, Marissa was growing up in terms of football in Northern Ireland. You couldn't really make a living from it. It was... Uh, kind of seen differently, but now with a bit of extra funding from Electric Ireland NI, with with attitudes changing, which is a massive thing, and um, girls really can be watching that and think, well, that could be me. A hundred percent, and I think this is the real beauty of of what's happened, you know, um, with with women's football, not just in Northern Ireland but beyond. You know, there's a pathway. For young girls, which there hasn't been before. You mentioned Marissa, another incredible talent. I could talk all day about Marissa and she's one of those players who over the years, she's like a fine wine, Andy. She just improved and improved and that left foot of hers is just to die for. Um, I actually played with Marissa at Cliftonville for a couple of seasons and I just, again, was consistently impressed by her, uh, by her ability again you know, like the likes of Ash Hutton, her application, her attitude, her professionalism and her passion. I mean, Marissa loves the game of football. Um, she has since she was a young girl. She played in boys teams. She grew up, you know, playing with boys. Um, she has been in and around this setup. She's spent her career at Cliftonville where she's had successes and um, and she's still, you know, of her energy, her time. And again, it comes from just an innate passion. Um, but you're right, Andy, even when Marissa was, you know, a young girl, the pathways weren't there. You know, you maybe had the odd uh, opportunity in America if you, you know, if you went on a scholarship to the States, which a lot of the girls of that kind of generation would have done, gone across to America, played for, for four years and come home. But there was nothing really off the, the back of that, unless perhaps you maybe stayed in the States. But those girls couldn't see a future, a career in football, and now we can. And that is an incredible thing. Um, you, we've seen, as we mentioned, girls go to Everton, to Rangers, to Birmingham, 
um, to Manchester City, to wherever it may be. And you're right, Andy, I spoke to Marissa post-match, as you say, and she was very emotional. I was very emotional speaking to her uh, because I could see what it meant. And Marissa, having been in and around the game and given you know most of her life to, to the game and to the promotion of women's football in Northern Ireland, this was a huge, huge thing for her. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, this was a huge moment, not just for Kenny squad and for this group of players, but a huge moment for women's football in Northern Ireland. Um, for young girls just watching uh, that game or any game, whether it be club or international level, and to see that there's a pathway and to say, I want to do that and know that they can. I don't think we can underestimate that, Andy. I don't think we can underestimate the effect that it will have. And, you know, it's just fantastic to see. And again, for Marissa, someone who deserves every accolade that she can possibly uh, get, given what she's done for, for her club and her country. Um, it's just an amazing thing. And I know Marissa, and not just Marissa, a few girls have said to me, you know, they wish they were a few years younger and uh, maybe avail of those opportunities to go and sign professional contracts, which so many of them have been capable of. But uh, listen, what those girls can give back to the game, when even when they stop playing, will be incredible. And for those young girls coming up, the pathway is there and the future really is bright for the women's game, which is just, you know, an incredible place to be. Marvellous stuff. Well, Nicola, thank you so much for coming on and doing that for me. It's been an absolute pleasure, Andy, and I hope uh, when we come to the playoffs, we can talk again and hopefully we'll have more good news to share. Definitely, definitely. No, th thank you very much for coming on, as I say, and thank you to everyone for listening. Um, just a quick one. We've uh, obviously recorded a World Cup qualifying draw reaction after Monday. Obviously, quite a horrible draw of Italy, Switzerland, Bulgaria and Lithuania, but we tried to put a positive spin on it. We tried to have a bit of a laugh about it, uh, and that's out on the podcast before this. So go back and give that a listen because that's still kind of relevant. So, uh, yes, as I say, thank you so much, Nicola, for coming on. Um, thank you to you guys for listening, and I'll see you again next time. Bye bye.